Thank you so much, worship team. So good for me to be here today, Valley Brook Church and Bridge Church family. I want to thank uh, Pastor Travis for inviting us because he's the one who thought this all up. The uh, sovereign God decided to change our plans to go to the park, and uh, he wanted us to practice that well-known verse, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. (laughs) Of course, that verse is not in our Bible, but we do get to um, practice that. Now... um, The first time that I ever heard about Valley Brook was over 20 years ago. I was a pastor in Stoughton, that's just south of Madison, and one of our college students began attending uh, UW-Eau Claire, and she came home really excited about her church, and she had found Valley Brook meeting in a movie theater. Lo and behold, what kind of church is that? And... um, She was serving in children's ministry, and she just loved it. So, of course, as a good pastor, I I, uh, went on the web to find Valley Brook to see what I could find out about this church, to see that she was in a good church, and uh, I was very impressed. I learned a lot about the story of Valley Brook and uh, the impact that Valley Brook has had, the good work that Valley Brook has done uh, in impacting this city for the gospel of Christ. And uh, may you uh, continue to do that good work. Um, I'm grateful to know your pastor. I think, uh, I believe that God has brought him to, back to Eau Claire for such a time as this. And uh, he is loved by the other pastors in our city. Um, he uh, came up with this idea to get us back together because we had kind of drifted apart as a group and meeting and... Um, Travis has uh, invited us back into uh, a relationship, and uh, it's been really good. It's been really good for me, and I'm grateful to call uh, Travis a friend. A little bit about the bridge. Uh, I could talk a long time about the bridge, but um, we got our start back in 2008. We we moved to Eau Claire, and during all of the year of 2008, we were building a launch team, and we became official on March 8, 2009, and we launched at uh, the Chippewa Valley Technical College, um, and, and then we are, our first years were there. Now, we are a mobile church. That's why we parked outside, so you would know we were here, <laughs> even, even though we didn't really have to take anything out today, uh, but we wanted to put our sign out for you. Um, we've been a mobile church. We, we've met in our home, we've met at a, an office building uh, on Golf Terrace, uh, we've been at um, Memorial High School for a long period, we've been at South Middle School, DeLong Middle School, the Plaza Hotel, um, we've been at Owen Park because the first years when we were at CVTC, they wouldn't allow us to be there on the 4th of July and there were no other venues, so we had our service in the park and uh, we had a picnic afterwards, and it never rained, by the way. <laughs> and um, so we've been at the Eau Claire Children's Theater pretty much the last uh, seven or eight years, 
And I'll tell you what, we are desperate for a building like you guys have. And uh, we're praying for that. And uh, if you know of one that uh, you could tell us about it, we'd love to know. We are also a part of the EFCA, which stands for the Evangelical Free Church of America. And uh, that's kind of a like-minded group with Converge, the, the, the denomination or the, the group that uh, Valley Brook is, is a part of. Um, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1 this morning, and I'd like to begin by asking you a question. What are the responsibilities of a American citizenship? If you are a U.S. citizen, what are your responsibilities? Maybe it takes you back to 8th grade civics. Um, well, let me just uh, remind us, uh, kind of in my own words, our responsibility as American citizen is to obey the laws that's federal, state, and local, to support our government by paying taxes, to respect the rights and the opinions and the beliefs of others, to be involved in democracy by voting and being aware of the issues that our communities are facing, to serve on a jury when we are requested. And this one may surprise you, at least a few of you. One of our responsibilities is to defend our country, and that includes serving in the military um, when that's requested. And I just want to say uh, on this Memorial Day weekend, I'm so grateful to live in this country because here we are, we, we are able to freely worship because of you who have served. Thank you, uh, for you who have served in our military, and for those who have sacrificed for our sakes so that we uh, have the freedom to worship. Yeah. Those are some of the responsibilities of American citizenship. I want to ask another question. What are the responsibilities to be a citizen of heaven? There is another citizenship that we have responsibilities for. Um, it's been said that the goal of the Christian life is not to get to heaven. That's not the goal. Maybe the outcome, it is not the goal. The goal of the Christian life is to follow Jesus and to become like him. And there's a whole lot of life before we get to that eternal kingdom. Um, we're going to look at Philippians 1.27. I'd like to point out three observations from verse 27, and uh, I'll just read it for us. Verse 27, chapter 1. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And Paul writes, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. So, we come to verse 27, and Paul starts with, whatever happens. Well, what's he talking about? And uh, let me just uh, remind us of some of the context that comes into Philippians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is being held as a prisoner. It's been almost five years. He has been held as a prisoner. He was 
arrested in Jerusalem in Acts 21. He was transported to Caesarea for a couple of years after a period of time. Later, he took a long journey to Rome, and from Acts 21 to Acts 28, he is held prisoner, and he ends up in Rome for two years, and that's where we leave him in Acts 28. Paul is writing from Rome, and he's chained to a Roman soldier. Um, and he's, right now, he's awaiting trial, and he doesn't know his outcome. And he writes in chapter 1 that he wants Christ to be exalted in his body no matter what. Whether he lives or dies, he wants Christ to be exalted. He writes in verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So when Paul writes, whatever happens, he's saying whether I live or whether I die It doesn't make any difference, Philippians. You continue on. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Um, The word uh, conduct here is a very important word, and we don't think much about it, but for the the Philippians, it just rang a chord for them uh, because Paul uses a word. It's one word. And uh, it means to live as citizens. And you get all of that in just one word, to live as citizens. And for the Philippians, they're very proud of their citizenship because they are Roman citizens. Here they are. Philippi is a city in Macedonia, a Greek city far away from Rome. But the city itself is a Roman city, and they have the privileges of Romans. A lot of Roman soldiers retired there. And um, it's a very important status in the first century to be a Roman citizen. And Paul just, as he throws that out there, he reminds them, when you talk about this citizenship, guess what, folks? You have a higher calling. You are a citizen of another kingdom that's way more exalted than the Roman Empire. And Paul wants them to serve as citizens, citizens of heaven. And um, and a citizen is to be an ambassador for the king and to show others the way into the kingdom. And so... That's what Paul means when he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live as citizens of heaven. It's not about earning your way to to heaven. It's not about doing good works so that God will accept people into heaven. And I think you know that. Uh, It's just the opposite of, of the gospel. The work has already been done. Jesus has done the work for us for eternal salvation. He died for our sin. He paid the penalty for our sin. There's nothing else to do. It has been done. And salvation is offered as a gift. For by grace are we saved through faith, and it's not of ourselves. It's a a gift of God. It's a gift to be received by faith. 
Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that's how we became citizens of the kingdom, citizens of heaven. So what is worthy conduct? Well, worthy conduct is following Christ one day at a time, one step at a time. Sometimes we fall and uh, we need to deal with that and we need to get right back up and continue our walk one step at a time. Oh, worthy conduct. Let me read another passage that Paul refers to. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. As a prisoner for the Lord. Paul was in Rome, chained to a Roman soldier when he wrote the book of Ephesus. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It means to put up with people, people that are hard to get along with, people at church, people in your city, people that belong to other churches. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Worthy conduct for the sake of the gospel. There is a higher purpose. So the first observation, living as citizens of heaven requires worthy conduct. Second observation, living as citizens requires us to stand firm in one's spirit. That's a defensive position. Um, And it requires spiritual resources. It requires God's resources to, to stand firm. Prayer is one of the most important resources we have to stand firm and to be in touch with the true and living God and know how to respond to our world, to to know how to deal with spiritual warfare and to pray against the forces of darkness, to know how to deal with um, enemies of the cross of Christ, when our culture pushes back on our Christian faith. Prayer. We need God's Word. We need God's Word to identify truth and to have clarity and focus. Um, We need relationships. We need encouragement. So we need partners in the gospel. It's a team defense. Um, It's not, you know, an individual where every person does their thing. But it's bigger when, we, when we, are, we come together as a body, whether it's an individual church or whether it's the body of Christ in a city, standing firm for the sake of the gospel. A team defense. When a play is called, you wouldn't want a Packers safety to be looking up in the stands when there's a snap. You would want him focused and on defense. I think sometimes in our Christian walks, we look up into the stands and we lose our focus and we become sloppy. We wouldn't want a defensive lineman to, uh, to start thinking about vacation just you know, when the ball is snapped. We, we would want the defensive lineman to be ready and to, and to block their area and to, 
and to protect their, their, their zone. Now, the Christian life is longer than 60 minutes. It's not always intense. Sometimes it is. Uh, but the Christian life, as a follower of Christ, requires focus. The, the writer of Hebrews warns us, uh, beware uh, lest you drift. The danger of drifting downstream, just letting life happen to us. That's when we're weak. That's when we're very poor examples of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We want our city to see what, who Jesus is, what he is like. We want them to learn what he has done for us. And our lives need to shine enough for people to notice something different, and it seems to be good. We sometimes talk about being good news at the bridge. The sad thing is sometimes Christ followers are bad news. And instead of pointing people to Christ, they, they repel people from, from Jesus. They get confused about different subjects that aren't Christ-honoring. Whether it's wearing a mask or um, who you're going to vote for. I don't care if you wear a mask or don't wear a mask, but that's certainly been an issue our, our city, you know, our, our, our country has, has faced, and it's, it's, been, it's been divisive. Um, third observation, living as citizens of heaven means we are to strive together as one. Strive together. Contending together as one for the sake of the gospel. Now, striving together is one word in the original language, and it's an athletic metaphor. It's the picture of a, a runner um, in a sprint and coming to the tape at the, at the, at the, uh, at the end of the race, and, and he's leaning forward and striving, and all of his focus is to go forward and, and to put every effort into his finish. But striving together, isn't, it isn't about an individual it's about the whole team moving as one. Uh, every part doing, having a responsibility and following through. Um, it's, it's working together efficiently for the sake of the gospel. To see the gospel promoted, to see the gospel proclaimed, to see opportunities around us for us to tell our stories. What do we know about God? You know, when, when we're to be a witness, you know, Jesus says, you shall be my witnesses. He doesn't expect everybody to be like the Apostle Paul. He just wants us to be us, to tell our story. What do we know? We can talk about what we know. Does Jesus change your life? Well, you can tell people about that. How, how, how can other people have the same thing that you have? Well, you can tell people about that. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to um, write a, an exegetical paper or an apologetic paper. You can just, it's your story. And we have opportunities to tell our stories and to share this good news. It's about striving together to be on mission. The Valley Brook mission is to know and share the life-changing love of God. That's concise. That's good. 
the bridge is even better. <laughs> not, maybe not. <laughs> to help people connect with God, you can see it on the trailer, to help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. Both mission statements are about the same thing. We are in this together. We want to reach our city. We want to see people come to faith in Christ. We want to help people grow as Christ's followers. When you think about your own life, do you represent Jesus well? Are, is your life helping to point people to Christ or do they even notice or it, does it detract from the story of what God is doing in our world? When you think about your church, does your church represent Jesus well? Are, 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 is your church striving together for the sake of the gospel? And then when you think about our churches, here we are, two churches together. We're trying to reach the same city. The great thing is, Valley Brook has resources, uh, has relationships to reach people that we could never reach at the bridge. And, and the bridge has some of those relationships about reaching people that maybe we'll, we'll never, Valley Brook will never be able to reach. Together, we can be more effective if we are showing that we are ambassadors for Christ. And people can say, yeah, I've, I've, those are people at Valley Brook are like people at the bridge, and the people at the bridge are like people at Valley Brook, and they seem to be representing God in a way that attracts us to, to want to know more. Um, now, we have an opportunity, and I think Travis is going to mention this, we have an opportunity to come together to serve. And years ago, the bridge helped with the downtown cleanup. It's been a long time, but coming alongside to serve. And this is a, an opportunity for us to do that again. And uh, I hope it's not the only opportunity that we will have uh, in the days of coming, but in the days to come. But it's a chance to strive together to serve, to represent Jesus as his ambassador for the sake of the gospel. Let's pray. God, I'm grateful uh, to be here and to see what uh, you are doing in our city. I'm grateful for what you're doing in Valleybrook and at the bridge. God, enable us to be more effective as churches as we, uh, as we come together, um, as we talk about each other, as we get to know each other. May we encourage and build up Pray and serve one another. Help our love for each other to grow so that our city will know that we belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we're doing a baton pass, and we have an anchor. I wonder if I should give you a high five. Fist bump. 
This is like a double feature this morning. And Jerry and I were planning this. I said, I really just wanted him to preach the whole time so I could just sit at his feet and learn. He's the kind of guy I want to be like when I grow up. So, but we, we couldn't be more thrilled to have the bridge and Valleybrook together this morning. Thanks for your flexibility. Uh, as we pivoted, it's like last year's term, we moved into this space and uh, I, it feels like as Jerry and I were, were planning this, it felt like a dating relationship where you're first starting to get to know one another. You don't, you, 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 you're like uh, being kind and, you know, uh, how do you do things? How do we do things? And thanks for your patience and your grace to us uh, as we figured that out. I, 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 think, I think right now, I, maybe you'd agree, heaven must just be celebrating right now. Jesus just saying, you have done it. That this, he's saying that this is how his kingdom is supposed to exist here on earth, as it does in heaven, right? And so I'm, I'm so thankful. So it, I think it was worth all the, all the struggles and the pain and the, uh, the work that kind of went into making this thing happen today. So thank you all for just being part of this. Um, so Valleybrook, a uh, little, little bit of background to Valleybrook for all the, the Bridgers. Do you call them Bridgers? Okay. Uh, we did today. Hashtag Bridgers. <laughs> a little background about Valleybrook. Valleybrook is a converged church. It's a, it, it comes out of a Swedish Baptist roots is what it, it used to be, Baptist General Conference, and it became converged. It just changed its name, but uh, so it has Baptist roots. So this is very similar. In fact, our our movement of Converge uh, works, uh, works together with the E-Free uh, and actually targets church plants without, within Wisconsin. Our, our leadership gets together and looks at areas that we can not, it's not a us kingdom and your kingdom, it's a this is his kingdom, and so we're, we're targeting and working together, and so this is a beautiful thing. So Valleybrook is a, is a church plant, was a church plant, of Salem Baptist up on, up on, Salem, up on Claremont, uh, in 93, when the youth pastor there at the time, Kendall Anderson, uh, felt this sense to plant a different type of church here in Eau Claire, uh, one, one for people who had kind of given up on religion. Religion had become dry, and you know, it, it was the thing you showed up to every Sunday morning. You left there, and uh, the, so people had given up on religion, uh, but hadn't given up on God. And so he uh, he, he planted Valley Brook. It was in 94, I think, that they bought the theater. And I, I heard that it was in quite a wreck uh, when they bought it because most of downtown was up for sale or was closed up. And so uh, they, he saw a vision for seeing the downtown restored. Now, I don't, I don't, he's not part of the, that planning, but he felt that churches should be making a positive impact in their community. That was a vision that they had in moving downtown and and so that those are that's in our DNA. Now, Kendall this is a unique story. Kendall was my my wife Lisa and my pastor. As we were college students here, we we were UWC students, and so we attended Valleybrook uh, in the late '90s, early 2000s. And actually, we were married through Valleybrook in 2001. And um, uh, and so we've got a, a little bit of a unique story. And that, then we moved to the Twin Cities, went to seminary, and. Uh, in, in, uh, in the early 2000s, Kendall felt a call to go plant a church in Florida. It was probably in the winter when he did that, but I mean, he <laughs> felt called to go plant a church in Florida. 
Now, as many of you are aware, if you've been in Eau Claire long enough, or if you even did just a Google search about Valley Brook, you know that Valley Brook went through a very difficult season a few years ago. They pulled away from uh, doing life with other churches. Uh, there was some misguided teaching going on, and a lot of people, a lot of people were hurt. And I know that some of you at the bridge prayed for Valley Brook during that time. I know that Jerry did. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for praying to see us restored and see us renewed. And so a renewing season began with interim pastor Tim Hogan. He came here in 2015, and uh, Valleybrook became a whole new church plant, just with buildings now, but it became a whole new church plant with a, with a new constitution, mostly new staff, new elders, and a renewed vision to recenter itself back on the gospel and start to work with other churches again. And we call it hashtag better together because we're better together in his kingdom. And so that's a little bit about Valley Brook's past. Lisa and I moved back to Eau Claire four years ago uh, to join this great church. It's filled with real people, real people who are just celebrating an awesome God. That's, that's what we believe Valley Brook is. And, and, and seeing this church become missional and reaching its community again. So thank you, Bridge, for being part of this this morning for us to be gathered together. Jerry, Pastor Jerry and I uh, get together, as he said, with several other pastors in the Eau Claire area um, monthly. And, um, and I really cher- I cherish my time with Jerry. Bridge, you guys, you have a stellar pastor. You really do. I, I, I always leave, yes. I don't know who had the better advantage, you going first to say whatever you wanted or me to follow up, and then you can't say anything after this because we turn your microphone off. So, <laughs> But every time I leave my time with Jerry, I feel cherished. I feel empowered. I feel equipped. Again, he's the kind of guy I want to be like when I grow up someday. I, I love them. And so, but thank you. Thank you, Bridge Church, for cheering on Valleybrook in a renewing process and, again, taking the risk and allowing for us to be. We, we did VBS together, a Vacation Bible School a few years ago. Thank you for, again, offering that up for us. And so there, there are some uh, Valleybrook kids who said yes to Jesus during that time. And uh, so, indeed, we are better together through all of this. Uh, I learned about the Bridge Church shortly after moving to Eau Claire, and I their mission, uh, their drive to want to make a difference in their community, central on the Bible, uh, fantastic church. Couldn't, couldn't find a better church to be doing, doing life with together this morning. So in keeping with Pastor Jerry and Philippians, uh, as citizens of heaven, I, I want to highlight something from a few verses later where Paul addresses, first he, you know, he talks about us being citizens in heaven, but then he addresses this potential threat to church and how we counter it. Now, there really are only two main threats to churches. No matter where you are, whatever culture you are, far away or near or right here in town, even for Valleybrook or for the Bridge Church, there really are only two main threats to the church. The, the first threat is a, church, uh, is a threat that comes from outside our walls. You know, maybe it's a group of people, maybe it's a government, may, 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 whatever it is, we certainly have an enemy, a spiritual enemy, Satan working against the church. So those outside the church trying to do whatever it can to attack and persecute, uh, break up or destroy the church from the outside. So the first main threat comes from outside the walls 
of the church. The other threat, which is actually a much greater one, and, and Paul kind of addressed it here, actually the other threat comes from within the walls of the church, comes from within the church. It's where selfishness or jealousy, uh, division, our, our own desires, and they both could be really good desires. You could desire this thing and we could desire that thing, and they co- both could be good, but if they don't align together, there could be a division there. And, and so... It, it, it drives people in churches apart, and it can even drive churches apart from one another. The greatest threat is always, so there's two main threats, one from outside, one from inside. The greatest threat's always going to be the one inside, and that's the threat that Paul addresses, the Bible addresses quite often, is the threat that comes from within the church. Now, those here who are Marvel fans see this played out in Captain America Civil War, Right? When the villain finds out that no longer is an outside attacking force to, de- to demolish the Avengers, what better way than to get them to stir within? To get Iron Man and Cap, I guess I call him Cap, right? We're kind of on that term, Cap, Captain America, where they are, you get them at each other and they'll tear themselves apart. That's the greater threat, is from within. This same principle that Paul's addressing to the church applies very much to relationships like you and me as well. Whether it's a marriage or an engagement, a dating relationship, uh, families, any type of group of friends, or even a workplace place, a workplace environment. The greatest threat to break up anything usually isn't from outside, but it's from within. James, Pastor James from the book of James, he says that it's our desires that drive us, that make us quarrel and fight. Not from somewhere else, but from within. From within. So I want to read for you Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Paul's going to help give us some advice here. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy of being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Again, this kind of ties into what Jerry's sharing about the citizens of heaven. This is how we are to live, this is our outfit that we wear. Now, he's got four, or I'm sorry, five if statements there. If, 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 and then there comes the end, the five if statements. And they're all centered on Christ. You being a citizen of heaven, you wear this. This, is, this should be something that you're experiencing if you've said yes to you. You're following Jesus. He's working in your life. These should be the outpouring of it. So the very first one, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any encouragement in Christ, the, the Greek word for encouragement there uh, gives us the, the image of an idea of, of somebody standing beside someone else, encouraging them, cheering them on, like a coach on the sidelines saying, come, great job, come on, come on, you can do this. Or, or if you're a, a runner, uh, those that are standing along the race route, cheering on with uplifting words, come on, come on, come So if there's any encouragement in Christ, Now, no matter where you've been in life, no matter what you've done, what you're doing, what's been done to you, there's no greater person in all of the world 
who's cheering you on more than Jesus Christ. That was an opportunity for most of you to say amen right there. <laughs> there is no one better than Jesus standing on the side. Think, imagine, he's sitting on his throne next to the Father and he's cheering you on. Come on, come on, come on, church. Come on, man, come on, woman, come on, child of faith. Follow me, follow me, you got this. I'm working in you and he's encouraging you. That's the image that Paul's saying. If there's any encouragement in Christ. He's there with all of his glories, all of his strength, all of his might, all of his authority, his power, and he's wanting to see God's best in you. Do you believe that? He wants to see his best in you. And I don't know, again, wherever you've come from and whatever uh, interactions you've had with other people, God's best for you is the best for you. And Jesus wants that in you. And so he's cheering you on like a coach, encouraging you, go, go, go. He's our rock. He's our refuge. We see this throughout the Bible. You can read it from, from Genesis to maps in your Bible, and you will find, maybe some of your Bibles don't have maps. Mine does. <laughs> you will find trust in the Lord. You can trust in him. He's encouraging. He's wanting to see you finish. Whatever is going on in your life, he wants to see you well. He's going to cheer you on. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, from the love of Jesus. Now, love isn't just a feeling. You know, I love, I love, I love. You know, love, love is, is, is an action. Love's an action. And what greater love is that than one who's willing to lay down his life for another? As Jerry shared, we're on Memorial Day. What, what, we're speaking of those who have given their life for our freedoms and our country. What greater love is that than he or she who have laid down their life? But Jesus does that for us. He laid down his life for us. Tim Keller, he reminds us of the, the gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we could ever dare believe. Yet at the same time, you listen to me, look at me, at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. <laughs> you, you feel any comfort in his love, you've got to find out where, where you, know, you just see how broken we are and how much he, he loves us. He loves us. And it's more than just a, a feeling. It's an action. He would step into that cross for us to give us life. There's nobody that loves you more than Jesus. And, Jesus, and, and it's my prayer, it's Jerry's prayer, we pray this. Paul writes this in Ephesians, he said, it's, it's our prayer that you know how wide and long and tall and deep his love is for you. And so you have any, in, any comfort from Christ's love as a citizen of heaven. And if there's any participation or common sharing in the spirit, the, the, the uh, Greek word for for participation is fellowship. Of course, whenever I think of the word fellowship, I can't help but think, I'm a little old school here, but Lord of the Rings, fellowship of the ring, right? Where, where, where they take this very diverse group of creatures, all different strengths and weaknesses and backgrounds, and they lump them together and they're on a common goal. Drop that ring and the fire's a Mordor. The fellowship. If there's any participation or fellowship in the spirit, that's what Paul's getting at. Paul didn't know about Lord of the Rings, but he's going to. He shows up in heaven and Tolkien shows up there and they're sharing stories. It's going to be good. 
He'd be like, you know what? Yeah, you got it right, Token. You're, you're right. You're, you're, you're just, if there's any participation in the Spirit, any fellowship in the Spirit, that's us working together. He's, we are better together. He's got us working together. God, God's Spirit does that in us with this common goal, this common goal of seeing more people meet, know, and follow Jesus Christ, to help make heaven more crowded. And, and I love, that's why we can work together with the bridge in Valleybrook, because that's what we're working to do. We're wanting to reach our community to see heaven more crowded. Don't we? Yes? Yes? That's what I'm talking about. So if there's any affection or sympathy, if you've got another translation, it might say compassion or tenderness. If you've experienced any, any affection in Jesus, he loves you. Or any, any sympathy, any, any uh, tenderness from Jesus. It's his kindness that will lead us to repentance. If you've experienced any of that, Paul says these are the, the if statements. If these exist, then, I'll get to it, but so now I, I grew up in a very traditional church, very, very religious background, where every Sunday we'd sing this Bible verse. It was part of our liturgy. It would be, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is he who takes refuge in him. We'd sing it every single week. And I didn't realize that I was memorizing scripture as I was doing it. Now, I can tell you, and Jerry can tell you, we can tell you all, everything there is about the goodness of God. About the encouragement in Christ, about the comfort from his love, the fellowship in the spirit, about the affections and sympathy. We can tell you all about it. And you can even see it in other people's lives, but you will never know it unless you taste and see it for yourself. You have to experience it firsthand in order to taste and see that the Lord is good. If these, if, these if statements are true, and they are, is that the Bible's true, you will only know it if you try it on for yourself to say yes to Jesus in your own life, to surrender your life to him, to turn from your way of doing things and, and let him live in you, then you will experience this is the fruit that comes from it. You know how your life is changed in Jesus? It comes from the fruit. You know how my tree is living in the backyard? You can tell if it's got fruit. It's the same in our own life. It's from fruit. Now this same principle, it's, 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 it's going to apply to any relationship any relationship that we're in, in terms of the, 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 the if statements, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in his love, any participation in his spirit, any affection and sympathy, if these exist, Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. If these things are true, there's a uniting force that's happening. God's beauty is on display in creation. Of course, we'd be outside looking at it right now, and I could tell you about it, but you'll get to go out soon and go see it. God's beauty is in display in his creation through the details of leaves and flowers and how he makes things work together and the songs of birds. But nothing displays God's beauty and creativity and his miracle more than the work in the church where he takes a very diverse group of people, all their different likes and dislikes, all their good, their bad, and their ugly, and bring them all together, various abilities and desires. And even as different as the bridge and Valley Brook are alike in some of our nuances, 
And God gives us unity as one in Christ working together. There's no greater miracle in the world than where he can do this. This is not an easy feat to work together with other churches. We tend to want to protect our kingdom, protect our territory, but it isn't ours. It's his. We're part of his kingdom. And we're experiencing the goodness of God. We're compelled to be like Jesus. So if all these things are true, these if statements are true, we're more like Jesus. And we begin thinking and living and loving like Jesus. And of course, when, when you're with somebody who's loving and thinking and living like Jesus, and you're thinking and loving and thinking like Jesus, you, you, you tend to do things together. You're of one mind, full accord. Same love, same mission. You know, nothing in this world is going to draw us closer together than, than when we grow closer to Jesus. Many times we'll, we'll, we'll share this in marriage counseling. It's the triangle. I don't know, Jerry, you ever use the triangle? I, maybe, I'm, maybe I have something to impart to you today. It's the triangle. There's three points to a triangle, yes? God, Jesus at the top, you and me. Did you know this one? Awesome. Maybe I learned it from you. In order to grow closer to one another, we grow closer to Jesus in the triangle. As we become more like Jesus, as we grow in Jesus, that's how you get closer. You draw that triangle up, you grow closer together to you and me. And so if we want to grow closer together as churches, if you want to grow closer together as husbands and wives or, or engaged couples or in friendships, even as singles or, or in your workplace, if you want to grow closer to one another, grow closer to God and spur one another on to grow closer to God. You spur them on, they spur you on, you'll grow closer to God. We'll become like-minded, same mind, same love, full accord with one another. As a citizen of heaven, this is our conduct. This is how we're to live it out. And when you, so here's the kind of the rub, the application for today. When you think of Christians, when you hear of other churches in the area, even ones you may not fully agree with or they do things differently, let us show the world the unity that Jesus is giving to us, that we would speak well of them and show kindness to them. And we do that of other Christians too, even if they're different. Uh, not even, they are different. Praise God, we're different. Bring glory to Jesus and how we're on the same team, working for the same goal of making heaven more crowded. We do this because every person matters to God, and so they're going to matter to us. So we help spur one another. The world will know that we are his disciples by the way we hate one another. Oh, no, that's not, on, that's not in my Bible either. I'm glad we got some fact checkers here. The world will know that we are his disciples by the way we love one another. So if all these things are true, be of the same mind, be of the same accord, be of the same love, and the world will want it because it's not going to find it anywhere else. So to put this into practice right here, we're going to do something just a little different. I'm going to have you pray for one another. Now, you, don't know, you may not know the name of the person next to you. You may not know their story. But God does. And so right now, I want for each of you to just look to your right, to the person that's sitting next to you, 
And right now, to yourself, pray that they would experience God in all of his fullness, all of the encouragement, all the comfort, all the fellowship, all the affection, all the tenderness. Pray for the person to the right of you. And if you're on, on the far right, you look all the way over, okay? You're going to pray for the person to your right. I'm going to give you about 15, 20 seconds to do that. And then you're going to pray to the person on the left of you. All right, so you get them back. Pray, pray them back, right? And then I'm going to close in time of prayer. So go ahead and pray to the person to the right of you that they would experience this love of Christ and this unity, this encouragement, this fellowship, this tenderness. Now pray to the person to the left. And if you're at the end of the row, pray for the person on the far other side. Father, we pray that you would get all the glory from today. That you, you, you would be lifted up and mighty because you love us so much. You would send your son, Jesus Christ, to allow for us to be one with one another. Of the same kingdom. About the same work. Seeing others meet, know, and follow Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that we get to spend eternity getting to know one another, one of their stories, and get to cheer one another on in that. And Lord, right now, Father, I pray that you would, you would hear our prayers as we prayed for one another. You would encourage us. You would fill us with your spirit. You would uh, let us drink in how deep and long and high and long and, and, and wide your love is for us. I pray that you would be... Uh, you would fill us today as we go out. I pray that you'd get all the glory in this. In Jesus' name, 